Right, you ready? Yeah, man, let's, let's go. Do it. Cheers. Well, Cliff, welcome to the Studio Corner Podcast at your yeah, shop. Yeah, man, thank you. <laughs> My, I, you can't see over there, you can see here. So, well, there this you is, go. This is uh, kind of a centerpiece, yeah. Kind of a centerpiece. Sun Dragon, Jimmy Page amp. Well, before Mitch we get Coley. into it, you want to tell me about this? No, let's, <laughs> no? we'll get to it. Yeah. I do yeah, love that. Sure, show. Come on. All right. Well, before we get into this beautiful shop and this one-of-a-kind place and how you got here, I'd like to talk about the journey getting here. Sure. Uh, I did, did a little yeah. research on you, and uh, you came to L.A. in 1977? I did. Where yeah. did you come from? Came from Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. What was the... I came out here with a band. We had a record contract. I was the live sound guy, <clears throat> and uh, we had a record contract with RSO, okay. so we went and played a uh, showcase at the Troubadour. Ooh. And yeah, it was great. They loved us and all that. And uh, a week later, the record company folded. RSO had the Bee Gees, Yvonne Elliman, Eric Clapton, Saturday Night Fever. I think that was 77. And Robert Stigwood decided to get out of the business and go to his private island. So it was a choice. So, yeah, for him, you know, for us, <laughs> for it was him. a bummer, you know, because we're stuck in L.A. And everybody went back home with their tails between their legs except me. Me and one other guy, we stayed. That's a wild uh, wild thing to do. So suddenly if he was doing that well, it was just he just said, screw it, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know what the deal was, but, uh, you know, it sucked for us. Well, which seemed kind of like a, it sucked in the moment, but kind of bittersweet because it led you to stay in L.A. And uh, I was reading a little bit about your story about becoming a recording engineer. You thought, I'm going to go for it, and quickly discovered that it was a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more. <laughs> I'd love to hear about that. <laughs> well, it, it actually is a pretty good story. <clears throat> I went around to uh, different recording studios, and, and it was hard to get in to, to talk to people. You got your resume, all that. Yeah. I ended up at Warner Brothers, and Bill Lazarus, who recorded Sweet Baby James' record, mm -hmm. was working there. And he said, so, uh, Hotshot, uh, what's the difference? Uh, he knew I was a live sound guy. He said, what's the difference between a ribbon microphone, a condenser, dynamic, you know, well, what, what application would you use? I said, I don't know, man. I put a 57 up and down on the <laughs> snare and 57 on the uh, the uh, uh, guitar amps and 421s. And he says, well, you know, that's the basics, but yeah. there's a lot to learn. So he said, I'm doing a recording class at a new studio I'm starting up, Evergreen Studios. So I took the class, graduated top of the class with another guy, went to work at Evergreen which let me answer phones 100 hours a week. Wow. Yeah. Answer phones. Yeah. So I answered phones 80 to 100 hours a week, got elevated to stage, started setting up the stage, and then became an assistant engineer. I didn't want to stay there too long. I, I, I got a great call to come to the Village Recorder yeah. and uh, work there. So you Records. never actually did any sound engineering at uh, Evergreen? No, just assisting stage work. But I went to uh, stuff. yeah exactly. But I went to the village and uh, man, that was great. Yeah, legendary. Steely Dan, Fleetwood Mac, Rick Springfield. Tolo. Now, were you like right at the board? Were you running the session? Well, not for a long time, you know, but uh, two, three, four years of assisting for the big guys, and then I got my shots here and there. Yeah, I mean the education. It's funny. I I, I have my own personal studio, as many of us do in 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Lucky for me, my studio actually is a. I have a sound room. A, uh, control room. It's actually Danny Wilde from the Rembrandt's old oh, house. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, uh, so I lucked out. The, the structure was already there. I put yeah. the equipment in. Yeah. But um, it's funny because I, I got it when I was younger and the, I had to learn so much with hands-on training about mic placement, what type of mics there are, how to run a board, how to work a DAW. You know, that's a night. So yeah. many different things and like 
we think we're always so ready until someone like the big times comes and did you ever record a live set of drums no I refuse. That's the first question I ask young guys. I refuse. Have you ever done? What do you? What do you mean you refuse? That's the well, best. I, I, well, the thing the, is, so, a band with the live drums, you do the take, and then you do the overdubs, replace a couple of bass parts, and well, see, that's the thing is, I don't think I'm I'm not good enough for that. I mean, I can record a mean acoustic guitar, but who can't? Just right? BS your way through it. You can do BS it. BS your way yeah, through it. Yeah, yeah. It's what funny. I did. I uh, <laughs> I've been in a few studios and watched it happen. And I'm just like. Because in your head, from as an outsider, you think like, oh yeah, you just put the mics up, they play their stuff, you press record, like you got to take. Oh no! Once you see that up close, it's mind blowing. It's it's yeah. an unmatchable. Education. But what people don't realize, they see a big board. Yeah. All those strips, okay? I mean, there's like what 30, 40, 50 of them. They're all the same. Yeah. You just got to learn how to put all those into one. Mm. Yeah. It's not that daunting, but it's a lot of trial and error, and I've seen a lot of that. Lot I've of done trust, a lot of yeah. that. A lot of trust, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to build the confidence of the band, the producer. Uh, you got to be a good vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, definitely met the good vibes, the bad vibes. And it's incredible because no matter how pro an artist is, if they walk in and someone else has a bad vibe, it's a creative, you know, environment. It's Right, right. And the one person that has the bad vibe, it could be a domino effect. Oh, Everybody yeah. gets it. And it's a, it's a, a nice, tight studio. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So moving on from the sound engineering, you kept going and you started collecting. Now, I, I want to know the true story, like the real, the deep aspect to it where you decided I'm done engineering and doing the sound engineering. engineering. I'm going to collect one-of-a-kind stuff. Well, it just kind of happened. I got joint custody of my son week on, week off. I couldn't be doing 80 to 100 hours in the studio, so yeah. I got out. And uh, I still, I missed it. And I became friends with Mike Landau, Tim Pierce, Lee Sklar, cats like that. So I started collecting guitars on my own. And then through Andy Brower, I learned more about guitars and how he sold them on eBay and all that. Yeah. So I started an eBay thing. Nice. And my friends liked what I was doing. So I, Landau's my top client for that stuff. And I probably sold two, 300 pieces for him. Wow. Yeah. And uh, just, it's kind of how I got into collecting. I would, like, keep the good stuff for myself. Yeah. And uh, hoard that stuff. But uh, it's fun. And one thing led to another. Then I, I got uh, remarried. And uh, the wife nicely said, you know, you got a lot of kind of different people coming over to the house all the time. <laughs> and you got a lot of stuff here. Uh, you ever thought maybe about getting a space or something? I said, oh, that's a good idea. I could do my band at the space and, you know, have a, you know, storage and ship out of there and all that stuff. So I uh, got a place near uh, Dave Phillips, L.A. Sound Design, mm -hmm. right next door to him. Tim Pierce told me about the space. I built that out. Uh, sound reinforced it and sound treated it and had my band there and the equipment. And then little by little, it kind of turned into a storefront. And then a bigger storefront. Mm -hmm. I kept buying more stuff and more stuff. Outgrew that space, moved over to this space. Now that's pretty. You know, the old space is what from here is down the street. Yeah, it was on Magnolia. Okay, so yeah. literally up the but block. Yeah, 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 two miles away. Oh, right on. Uh, there's three little chopped up rooms. This is one big room, which is cool. Yeah, you had to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean that's that's total serendipity. You know? Yeah, how does it? Yeah. Uh, so. Were you selling stuff for your, you know, friends, or were you getting a hold of stuff and then selling it to them? Uh, no, I was selling stuff for friends. Okay. And getting stuff 
to resell or to keep for myself. I really got into it heavy. Yeah. I'm that type of guy. Anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, that. well, it's not such a great thing. <laughs> uh, so that's what that's all about. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's obsessive when you fall in love with something. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. As far as I know, we only go around once in life. <laughs> so do it right. Do what you like doing. So you, you made a statement. I, I don't know if this is the exact quote. I read this on one of your actual interviews. I was doing some research. It, was, oh. it said, uh, quote, is a cat like Walter Baker from Steely Dan come in and hang for three hours or an up-and-coming 12-year-old come by and play his licks. It's all worth it. Now that spoke, spoke to me because I started this show specifically because I just wanted to build and bring a creative community together. Mm -hmm. Actually, Kurt Pascara was actually the one oh, that Kirk. inspired this, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to, I like, my whole like statement was like, bring the stadium player and the bedroom musician to the same plane for like just yeah. an hour and, you yeah. know, feel like they were in the same place. And right. that, this, that's what this spoke to me a lot. This idea that, you know, you're sitting in this shop, you know, in Burbank down the street from uh, LA sound design yeah. and, and you have this incredible environment, one of a kind stuff. Thanks, and you have like the top, top, top tier dudes coming in and out of here, hanging out playing, but you're still leaving it open to the young kids to come, you know, mess around and play some guitars. Yeah, but they gotta have some, some chops. I don't want some kid coming in here. It's not guitar center. Let's make that one clear. Point. It's not guitar center. <laughs> Let's make that it clear. Won't be. Ever. Yeah, I'm not a very good retail person. You know, if I get tired of hearing them play for a while, I'll tell <laughs> you know, hey, yeah, time to go. Yeah, unplug. Well, but no, I I want a vibe. I yeah. want a vibey place. And if some young twelve year old comes in, and some of these cats are good, man. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody comes in like that, I want them to play good stuff. I'll put a 62 Strat in their hands, you know, because yeah. they might not do it again. Yeah. And then a guy like Walter Becker comes in, you know, rest in peace. Love that guy. Um, he picked up every guitar in the shop here for three hours. And he says, how come you're not taking a picture of me or asking for an autograph or anything? I said, man, I'm just trying to make you laugh yeah. you know, with your sense of humor. That's awesome. It's fun, yeah. So, I mean, that's such a... It's such an interesting place to stand in, you know, in my opinion, because you know I'm 25. I'm a fan before I'm even a musician. I love music. I am too. I love I'm a guys. fan. Yeah. yeah, and we all are, but you know, we all say we're going to be cool until like our hero walks in, you know, and we meet our hero, and then we don't know how we're going to react. And you deal with this every day, not only dealing with it, but you give them the environment to feel special, and they're already stars. And I feel like that takes a very special skill, but at the same time, you make it like a guy like me to walk in and feel so comfortable. Oh. Um. They put their pants on or their dress on. Well, I don't put a dress on, but they put their pants on the same way as we do. Yeah. Uh, and I got used to that a lot in the studio with Sinatra and Streisand and all that stuff. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm comfortable with it. But if Paul McCartney walked in, I'm a Beatles nut. Yeah. If he walked in, Ringo. You know, it might be a little more humble and yeah. not such a smart ass. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, geez, bless him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Still playing too, just not let great, up. Man. Come on, kings, yeah. camps, yeah, just amazing. Yeah. So for you, what's the importance of bringing everyone to that same playing field, that same plane, that same uh, level? Is there is there a deeper side to it, or is just you know, like you said, you want to create a vibe? It's my clubhouse. It's fun. Clubhouse. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> luckily I don't count on this for a living. I've got a straight job. Mm -hmm. I'm a high end painting contractor, and I've got guys working for me that been with me since I got out of the recording studio so you know this isn't my yeah I don't have to make it so if I break even I'm fine I'm happy with it so we, just, we do better every, month by month yeah so this is fun thank God because mm -hmm. I tell you man 
to own a guitar store. You got to buy everything. It's yeah. not, not consignment. I mean, 15% of the stuff in the store is on consignment. But when I make a commit, commitment to Two Rock or Park or Benson Amps or uh, Dano Caster Guitars, I got to buy the stuff. Yeah. And if I can't sell it, I can't send it back. Yeah. So I better believe in it. Wow. So every, every, every piece of equipment in here has the official cliff stamp behind it. Yeah, I dig it. I think that I think that says a lot because you know I'm a guitar player. I've been playing guitar for 20, 21 years now. I've been in a lot of shops. I was I went and visited Nashville for ten days. Went into a lot of shops, a lot of vintage shops. And Did you go to Carter's. Yeah, that's cool. Right? Really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, they almost kicked me out. Oh really? I have a very heavy hand and I play. I like to play uh -oh. guitars. Uh oh. <laughs> stay but, away. Uh, stay away from my stuff. I've been kicked yeah. out of most guitar, uh, guitar really? shops. Not not because I'm like sitting there banging around stuff. Yeah. Just because you know. I play, I play, I play, I like to play the guitars. Yeah. Um, so you picked up like a 1928 guitar. Oh, yeah. It was, I think it was a 1940-something Martin. Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd boot you out the door. Yeah. Too. I wasn't playing it very hard, though. Not as usually, but Hard enough, I, obviously. The, the point was, though, is like, I've been in a lot of shops. I've, you know, played a lot of guitars. I've never walked into a shop and had this vibe, you know, and I think, mm. uh, I'm oh. glad I'm getting to talk to you and get to know this about you because well, it thanks, makes a lot man. of sense because you, you, you introduce us to this world that we never think we're going to see. A lot of us that don't, you know, have the money to spend all this, you know, on all this vintage equipment and one-of-a-kind stuff, we get to walk in and it's, you know, those of you watching or listening, you should see what I'm looking at oh, right well, now. thanks, man. I appreciate and, uh, that. And it, it, it invites us to believe that there are specialty items that are special for certain reasons. Um, yeah. Well, I've got a little niche. When I started a guitar store, I don't know if I was crazy or if it was a good thing or whatever, <laughs> but I, uh, I thought to myself, how do I differentiate myself from everybody else, from norms and yeah. true tone and imperial guitars and uh, California vintage, all that. I carry stuff nobody else in town has. I've got to be the only dealer in town for this stuff. Is that your role with the people you deal with? Yeah, yeah. You know, the builders, yeah. i got to be the only park guy, the only Todd Sharp guy, the only, uh, you know, whatever, yeah. Revelator guitars, Danocaster. Got to be the only guy. Now, when you're making that deal with them, are they hesitant with that? Or? No, they, they, they like my shop. Okay. They've been here or they know about it and it's vibey enough for them. But I also, I have to order enough to make it worth their while. Yeah. You know. So it's a mutual thing. You know, you believe in their stuff and they believe in your shop. Yeah, absolutely. So is there, outside of one-of-a-kind equipment, you being the only one uh, selling it, is how do you choose the type of equipment, the guitars, the drums? How do you choose stuff? Is there like a guideline? Or, yeah, uh, stuff I like. Just even if it doesn't have to be top level built, is just no. It does. Okay. I mean, being from uh, sure. being a record engineer, I know what sounds good, what doesn't sound good. I don't play guitar. Yeah, I know a few chords. You know, I mean, nobody gets. You don't make money past the fifth fret, so I, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I play drums. Yeah, <laughs> but if I had 100, 150 drum sets, where am I going to put them? Yeah, to me. Guitars, amps, it's art. It's beautiful stuff. I love having it's on my walls at home. I think a guitar is a beautiful thing. And I love the cats coming in playing a guitar. Yeah. I mean, if I sat and played a guitar for somebody, and they think I'm like some great player, some of these people that come in. And I tell them, if I played the guitar for you, you'd never buy it. You'd run right <laughs> out the door. But I can hold my own on drums. Yeah. Um, where was I going with this? How you choose the equipment. Yeah. Um, I carefully choose it because, man, I can't give it back, can't sell yeah. it back. 
So I got to believe in it. And I listen to people. Yeah. You know, I ask them, so what do you think's good? You know, do you like this? And I go out to, to live stuff, bands I like, and I see what they play, and uh, I listen to them. I like it. It's very, uh, very authentic. Yeah. Very authentic. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's always difficult to walk into a shop and see something that looks really fancy and have someone push it on you because it's their job to push it on right. you. Right. Everything I have in here, first of all, it's in tune. <laughs> You'll pick up a guitar and it won't be out of tune. That's okay, maybe you know, yeah, a little B or E string thing. <laughs> but, yeah, and it's all fresh strings. And I don't want every amp is hooked up. Everything's ready to go. I don't want to come in and we're fumbling around and this doesn't sound good and I just don't like that. And places vacuumed and cleaned. And, yeah. You know, people got a lot of artwork and stupid stuff to look at and stupid stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, little <laughs> elephants and you know pigs and with a hat on and. I love all your art. I love that you collect this. I mean, My this wife is... doesn't. She says, oh, that can go to the shop. <laughs> you know, every time you've had an event here and I've come, she's told me that same story. Talk, oh, really? Talks to me about, oh, that's talks funny. To me about your art. That's funny. Talks to me about it every time. <laughs> she, she, what she told me, she told me, she's like, if you look around, you'll see all the pieces that I didn't approve of. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's yeah. great, though. I mean, this this place really does have a, have the vibe of like, you know, this is your home. This is your clubhouse. Like you said, it's got all this yeah. equipment, but it's uh, it's fun to hang out here. Oh, Funny good, man. It's got, it's yeah, got I hear feel. that a lot from people, and I'm not trying to, you know, pat myself on the back, but uh, that's what I strive for. Yeah. I want people to feel comfortable when they come in here. Absolutely. And it's not like Guitar Center. I don't want kids coming in and practicing for an hour or two. I want pros, uh, uh, guys that know what they're doing coming yeah. in, and also guys that are just starting out, but but they want the best at equipment, you know, that, you know, are serious about it. Yeah. So but if you're coming in for a $300 guitar, that's yeah. not us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you should... Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a $300 guitar that's worth buying. But starting out, maybe. Sure, I get you. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I was going to ask you uh, what separates your business model from, like, the franchise, like the guitar centers. You know, it's uh, it's obviously a vintage shop. It's obviously... You know, there are there's norms. You know, there's Carter's in, uh, in Nashville. There's all these shops like that. Like, so what is it uh, outside of now, I'm assuming that I've learned, that you pick everything personally. Is mm -hmm. there something else about it that separates you? I think it's just the vibe. Just the vibe. Yeah, it's just kind of a pro vibe, but uh, it's the best of the best. Best of the best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not out to sell 50 guitars a month. Mm -hmm. um, I just want the best stuff. I want people to, uh, when I advertise a guitar and send it to them, I, uh, when they get it, I want it to be more than what I said it was. Mm -hmm. And that always happens. Well packed and, and uh, they're getting a better guitar or amp than they thought they were getting. Yeah. That means a lot. I mean, you also have a pretty prime spot, too, right in Burbank here. Like, there's there's so many studios. I mean, Jungle Room is, what, 10 minutes from here? you got so many big cats coming through here. As, uh... In the rehearsal halls. Center yeah. stage right across from Burbank Airport. Yeah, I always forget about that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's huge. And uh, a lot of guys are, you know, they, uh, what's the other? Encore. Mm -hmm. um, they come over here and break during breaks and check that's, out the stuff. That's so cool to me to... Uh, because, I mean, imagine even as pros, they have such a hard time being able to walk into a shop and, you know, really search for stuff. One, the equipment probably isn't up to par where they're going, you know, outside of here. Right. And two, everyone's going to be like, oh, look who it right. is. Right, right. Yeah. Know, There's uh, none of that. We don't shove a camera in their face. Yeah. And, you Not know, like I'm Autograph to this. No, man, this is loose. <laughs> it's all good. No, it's great. That, that's, oh, that's awesome. I, um... I imagine when they come in, some of the best musicians that come in here, I imagine they you get a, a side of them that no one else gets to see. And I think it's because you're providing them a platform to really stand out and, you know, 
it's like when the, when you're a kid and you walk into your first music shop and you pick up that first guitar or you play your first drum set or you find your instrument and it's like man it was so cool that day you know every you vibe so well and you yeah. get to be free with it and, I tell you what's a cool thing and what I've noticed the most is a pro player will come in and I, I'm not a guitar player mm. but I know the gear and I say and I listen to what they play their their type of genre and I've got, they're looking for an overdrive pedal. I know exactly which one will sound good for them. And nine times out of 10, they'll pick that pedal. And I, or I hand them another guitar and, and, uh, you know, they trust me. That's cool. Yeah. That's funny. My next question literally says, can you tell if someone is meant for a piece of equipment? Oh yeah. yeah I can. So Big you, time. so you listen to their music. And man. I can tell when they're not meant for it. Yeah. Give me that thing back. So, so if someone comes in, like, you've listened to their music, and, like, you can be like, all right, they're going to... Well, I listen to what they're playing when they come in here. Okay. You know, you're not going to give a Les Paul to a jazz guy or something, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Have you ever had a, a musician come in where you have heard their band, they're in a big band, they're big, you know, whatever, uh, and you immediately know, like, they're going to want to play this, they're going to want to... Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, you know, yeah, I keep up with music. I love yeah. great music. You know, I hate bad music. Um so, yeah, I, I know what, to, you know, if they're a Les Paul guy or a Tele guy or a Strat guy, I know what to put in their hands. Yeah. You know, or I think I do. Speaking of uh, Les Paul's, you don't happen to have a 59 in the shop, do you? No, I got 59 reissues, but I'm not in that league. I leave that for Norm. Big boys. That's... I get some great reissues, though. The reissues are... Best in the market, actually. One of the, one of the best uh, guitars I ever played was a 59 reissue. You know, man, you know, I've got, what, six, seven of them here? Yeah. All like 8.6 pounds. And I bet they're as good as they were in 1959. Yeah, I don't they're doubt it. They're making great guitars these days. Gibson, it's great. Yeah. That's, uh... And all these pickup builders, you know, you put some Ron Ellis or some Tom Holmes uh, in a uh, Les Paul, and it's just, it's perfect. So these reissues, are they one of a kind? Or there's well, everything's one of a kind, actually. I mean, the flame and and uh, every guitar's got its own voice, it really does. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. I, uh, that's why I love Martin so much. Yeah, and built. I mean, yeah. there's no two Martins that sound the same. No, the more or no two are, Gibson J forty fives. that sound the same. Or it's just not possible. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's wood. It's got its own yeah. heartbeat to it, right? Yeah, yeah. Depends how the grain's opened up and. The neck angle and the neck joint and all that stuff. So now are you getting this this kind of stuff? So you have brand names like Fender and Gibson and things like that. Mm -hmm. Are you getting this directly from them or are you getting them from other cats that have them? No, these are used. I mean, my Fenders and Gibsons are used. Uh, the uh, new stuff is like Revelator, Exotic, K-Line, uh, Danocaster, uh, Ronan Mod Shop, uh, uh, Josh Williams, that yeah. type of stuff. The best of the best of the the new builders, relic builders. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, some of the stuff I played in here. You know, you walk in, you look at it like, oh, that looks like your standard Strat. It looks like your standard this, and then yeah, but it's only three grand and not uh, thirty grand. <laughs> yeah, <So>. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So, so these uh, these specialty builders, these uh, guys, when you get in, con so how do you get in contact with them? Because some some of them are out of out of the country, some of them are all over the country. I mean. I uh, email them or call them. At uh, five, uh, half the time they call me. Really? You know, they want their guitars in here. Yeah, it's kind of fifty-fifty. Nice. Yeah. So it's kind of the business has really kind of nice. built itself. It has. You know, just by doing the right thing and doing what you say you're going to do and having the right people and all that good stuff. Yeah. So 
Is there a different uh, tactic to, not that, I don't know if tactic is the right word, especially with the vibe you have going here, uh, especially not a sales tactic, but when a pro comes in or an amateur comes in, do you, uh, do you treat the situation, not the person, the situation differently with what you hand them and what you know, goes on with oh, the conversation? Yeah, probably. You know, I don't want to say that I do, but uh, you, know, you, you acclimate yourself to the, that person. I'm not going to talk to a 12-year-old like I would talk to Rusty Anderson or Mike Landau or Tim Pierce, you know. Um, you know, you, yeah. you, you identify with them, mm -hmm. so you work with where they're at. Yeah. Your networking is like legendary. Really? Your network. I mean, the, your networking, your, the friendships you've built. Because, I mean, there's, hmm. there's so many people that have been in the industry for, I mean, you came here since 1977 with a band, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. So you've been doing it for a while, but yeah. so many people have been doing it just as long as you and are sitting at home with nothing to do. And well, you, they're not uh, industrious enough, I guess. Right? Is that the word? Industrious? I, I don't even know what it is. Yeah. I, I run into it so much because, I mean, out where I live, it's where, you know, Kurt lives. Yeah. Uh, I know oh. Matt Malley lives up the street. Yeah. And there's a there's a lot of musicians that live out there, but they just kind of hide away in their uh, in their homes, which is fine, you know, to each their own. Yeah. But there seems to be like a drop-off point for so many people. And you've managed to continuously grow these relationships. And it's something I've learned as a young person looking mm. at the generations before me is this ability to have relationships, the ability mm. to say, hey, we're people... You're amazing at this. Like, you're a legend, but, you know, you're a person, too. Let's be friends. I'm a legend in my own shower. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's, uh, you know, I spend time. I make sure I put something on Instagram every day. I stay away from political stuff now. I didn't used to. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm just so tired of that crap. Uh, yeah, I put a new guitar or a new amp or a new pedal or something every day. So I make sure, and I've got my guys doing it too, I make sure that I stay relevant because social media is big time these days. And yeah. musicians, all these indie bands that do so well, they should be doing the same thing. Well, they are doing the same thing if they're yeah. doing well. Yeah, I mean, I don't love doing it every day. But yeah, of course they do. And yeah, you build relationships that way and people come in or email you or, you know. I wonder... I wonder because of the network that you build and the, and the reputation that you have, mm -hmm. if uh, you did go off social media for like a month, if anything would happen. Do you think it would change uh, your business? I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> I believe you. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back <laughs> to torment you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's Probably, the, you know. Yeah. Uh, out of sight, out of mind. Well, it's interesting because I mean, I, I talked before we uh, did the show, I was talking to you, and I, I took uh, about a month off of social media mm -hmm, for the podcast right. um, over a month I'd say almost yeah. maybe a month and a half two months I just I don't know what I don't know what it was I just decided to stop and I'm 25 yeah. it's like I'm in that I'm supposed to be social media all the time yeah. right I'm supposed to be what I'm doing yeah. and I just stopped and I, I mean not a single thing in my life changed wow. except I got more work done were you expecting it to change? no I, I, okay. I mean I just I think I reached a point of anxiety where I was like, oh, I'm not posting enough of you know what I'm doing in the studio. I'm not posting enough about yeah, the show. You, you can't not... let that stuff eat you up. And, and it did. It ate yeah. me up. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to stop. And yeah. I, need to, I need to know firsthand yeah. what's going on. And, you know, nothing changed. Yeah. And, but that's it's an independent guy. You know, for you, you have such a foundation. I, I almost wonder, like, are, are the big sales that you're making, are the big guys that are coming in seeing your social media and coming in? Or are they just calling you to stop? They always by? keep up with me. Yeah. yeah. So you have yeah. personal relationships. You talk to them on the yeah. phone a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. 
I yeah. think that's a lost yeah, art. I've got a lot of personal relationships that uh, I treasure. I really, yeah. you know, that's the fun of it. Absolutely. Yeah, they're not just, you know, buying customers or guys that come in and play and and then ask the the builder for it for free. <laughs> I mean, they're they're friends and yeah. uh, it's good. I feel like that's a it's a very much a lost art, the ability to socialize and build relationships like that and you know, especially in this town. Yeah. Especially in this town. Yeah. 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 Especially with musicians, we're we're struggle sometimes. Yeah, we're creative people. You man. know, man, <laughs> I, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't be a musician like like you guys. I play drums, and the drummers got more stuff yep. to bring. They gotta take their stuff from their place, lug it to the gig, set it up, okay, and then they gotta play the gig, and then while the lead singers talk to some chicks, they gotta take all their stuff down and put it in the car and take it back to their place. Yeah. Or like maybe Screw a 30 that. minute set if you're lucky out here. Right. For what, 200 bucks? I if mean, that. I don't know how they do it. It's the love of it. Yeah. I mean, it's passion. Well, very yeah. much like this, I, I think what you're talking about is I can just like feel the passion for this. You know, this is... Yeah. This is... Uh, it's fun. You know, I came in here with so many curiosities of like, oh, you know, this it's got this essence to it. LA Vintage mm. Gear, you know, the shop, Cliff, and this, everything he's got in there. Mm. He's got the, you know, I've been so curious. I've been here so many times. But, you know, now that I'm sitting down to talk to you, of course, you know, mm. you're a human being. I'm a human being. But, like, it, you can feel, I, I understand why I feel the way I do when I come in here. Mm. It's so passionate. Well, there's, thanks, man. There's a drive yeah, for it. Good. I'm doing something right. Yeah, as you're doing a plan, yeah. right? <laughs> hey, you know, if, if, when it turns out to be not fun, sell the place. Move on to something else. You'd be ready to let go? <laughs> Course, yeah. yeah. At some point, I'm gonna just you know sell all the guitars and call it quits and go to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's pretty cool. So, the idea of letting go of something you've built and something very special and obviously one of a kind. You know, it's like you know our music, for example, songwriters and artists, pieces, you know, paintings, whatever you want to call it. When we create it ourselves, I think a, a big lesson that we always have to learn. And this is gonna sound very cliche: is the ability to let go of it. And I don't think that has... has uh, You're 25. I'm 25, I, I, yeah. I'm 63. I can let it go. Yeah. Move on to another chapter. You know? Done this. No regret. Had fun. No regret. No, no regret at all. No. No, I'm really happy I did what I did. You know? It's, uh, like I said, it's my clubhouse. Yeah. People come to me and we hang. Absolutely. This is... Yeah. I mean, you got enough stuff in here to hang for days. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many different... Uh, it's a hang. Yeah. Rock and roll, man. Hopefully they'll buy something sometime. I look forward to it someday. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Problem is, all the stuff I want is just, you know, I have expensive taste. Very yeah. expensive yeah, taste. Yeah, me too. We're guitar players. Me too. So, very curious, because of all the cats that come in and out of here, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite story of someone, a famous person, a fan, you, you're a fan of someone... Do you have a story of someone coming in here? Do you want a, tra- a horror story? Most yeah. music shops have horror stories, but I imagine you have uh, opposite uh, of that. <laughs> no, just a couple of homeless guys. You can't get rid of the smell for a couple of hours. Really? Yeah, you know. They want to use your bathroom. Try to be polite. Yeah. Tell them to go next door. Um, no, it's always, no, it's always good people that come through the door. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Landau is always a treat, you know. I consider him a good bro, and I love when he comes in and and he doesn't play everything. He the real guys they don't play everything they know, you know. They sit down at the amp and quietly just play away and tweak and it's fun. Little. Yeah, yeah. You give him a space, it's all cool. Rusty Anderson when he came in, 
It was very cool because I've got like this particular rig. Now I use everything, but I used to use a uh, Morgan PR12 head and a nice little pedal board and a Carry Wright 1x12 cabinet. That was like our demo uh, rig. Mm -hmm. People try out different guitars to that. And he came in, Rusty Anderson from Mm -hmm. McCartney's band. Mm -hmm. And he came in, he started dialing stuff in and this and that. And oh my God, I've never heard that rig sound that good. Really? It's amazing. Isn't that incredible? I do have one good story. Uh, Walter Becker, he came in and bought like 10 grand worth of stuff. And I was like, wow, this is cool, man. And uh, it's the first time I used a credit card machine. And I charged him like 100 grand. And it went through. And then when it batched out at night, I saw 100 grand. I went, oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. Um, <laughs> I immediately called him on the phone. Oh, you know, my said, God. Uh, actually, I, I think I called Night Bob, his guy, and said, oh, man, I really screwed up. And he said, well, can you fix it? I said, yeah, of course I can fix it. But, you know. <laughs> it's traumatizing. They thought it was funny. They thought it was funny. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> Someone might have come back Jeez, and killed you over man, I know, right? Wow. That's actually, that's pretty cool because, I mean, I, I'm so used to walking into shops and seeing the young guys, like you said, play everything, you know, shred and go, ah, go to town, which is fine. You know? We don't get that here. So can you, I mean, it, it, what's the difference? Like, what do, you, what do you hear? What do you notice is the difference in the guys that are seasoned that have been doing it for like 40, 30, 30 well, like 40 I said, years? Like I said, they come in and they quietly play the amp. Quietly play tweak, the amp. They're tweaking. <laughs> they don't have to put it on 12. And uh, uh, they just, you know, they're at one with it. They don't have to play every lick that they know. Yeah. The guys that come in here and shred, we get maybe a m- couple of months. And, yeah. you know, after 10, 15 minutes, I politely say, enough you know yeah yeah How it's, do you it's not a shredder that? place uh i don't know come try it sometime i'll show you <laughs> i just might uh no you politely pull the plug no you do you politely just say that you got a, a private customer coming in or you got to make a phone call or you know uh i don't know you make it up as you go because that's i mean that's such a tough thing i mean how many music shop employees, owners, anybody, any sort of uh, gear shop will say, oh man, we got another one. You know, someone comes in and keeps doing that. You know, We're not- lucky. We had we don't run into that much. But, you know, I'm not the greatest retail guy in the world. You know, I'm not Ronald yeah. McDonald. And, okay, do your thing. You can play all my stuff for six hours. Uh-uh. Yeah. It's my place, man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, come on. I don't come into your place and shred for six hours. <laughs> you know, don't come to my place and shred for... 20 minutes. 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, 20 minutes, someone shredding, it gets old real quick. Oh, man. Real old, real, real quick. Don't so you, you've, got a, you've got a pretty amazing story. You've got a pretty amazing start to finish, and I, uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited to have gotten to know this part of you because it feels mm. very much like, I almost feel like it's a movie. You know, kid mm. comes to town with his record label and it falls apart and what does he do with it? You know, makes do, ends up with, you know, hanging out with the top guys in the world because he provides, you know, I, I made a joke to your wife, actually, we were talking, I was like, I love Cliff and what he's doing because it's like he sold gear to music history. <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, it's for me, it's very yeah. much like that. It's. But man, I've been here for 42 years. It took a long time to get to that. Yeah. I mean, the first five years, I you know, I had a little VW and uh, <laughs> no place to live, and you know, it was really tough. What kept you going? What What kept you from just calling it quits? Drugs? No, I'm kidding. It's okay. I'm if it's drugs. You just, <laughs> just tell me. It was the '80s. Uh, I don't know. The love of music, seriously, in California. Come on, 
came from Georgia and a beautiful place, but California, the girls, the beach, the weather, you know, we only have two seasons here, day and night. <laughs> and, you know, Good. the music and just being able to see, you know, your favorite cat in a hundred seat place, play, yeah. and you're sitting right in front of them. I just saw you Danny know. Carey at the Baked Potato the other week. Yeah. So. Baked potato is my favorite place. Amen to that. I'm the luckiest man in the world. Like at Mike Landau's table every time he plays. Really? Oh my God. He's the best guitar player in the world. And I get that table watching my guy play. And it's just that to me. Unbelievable. So hey, there was there was never a doubt in your mind then? What do you mean? There was never I a doubt it? in your mind that this is no, this is what this is where you wanted to be. This is Oh no, 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 no. Never a doubt where I wanted to be. Whether I'd make it, no, I didn't even want to think about it. I yeah. just kept going. So I ask all my guests at the end of the show, I ask them you know, what their advice would be is, you know, pertaining to what they do. Yours is going to be a little bit, a few, few of them. I want to know what would be your advice to, one, someone young moving to L.A. right now, and two, someone wanting to get in the industry of selling one-of-a-kind equipment? Oh, geez. I mean, that's pretty varied right there. Uh, two different questions, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it's definitely two different questions. Uh, some young guy coming out here, man, just meet as many people as you can. Just be there, go to jam nights, hang out, get to know people, make friends with people, uh, be willing to work for damn near nothing, uh, save your bucks uh, before you come out here. It's brutal. Yeah. I mean, it. Uh, this town's expensive, and uh, it's it's tough. As far as owning a guitar shop, <laughs> shit, have a second job. Have a second job. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Um, or know what you're doing, or have rich parents or something. That's have simple. a second job. So yeah. that's my out. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't pay my bills. Yeah. I mean, if I hit it harder, maybe it would. Maybe. But not. I don't want to jam, you know, Fender Squires down people's throats and, you know, you don't believe $600 acoustic guitars and sell 10 of those a week. Yeah. No, I don't, I, I, you know, hey, any kind of clientele's welcome to come here, absolutely. But we specialize. We're a specialized store. Boutique, vibe thing. Yeah, I think, uh, I think also what I'm hearing in that is the idea of regardless if you're coming to L.A., if you're opening a guitar shop, whatever you're doing, Never lose sight of what you believe in and let that guide you. I think people. Oh man, you gotta you gotta definitely be committed to it. You can't go. Well, I'll give it three or four years. No, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna come to L.A., you better be prepared to do five or six years or to start. Don't even bother. Yeah. What's also mean people are so quick to uh, not. I don't know if sell out is the right word anymore, but you know, stoop down to a cheaper level just so they can get by. Which you know, everyone has their struggles. Everyone has to do what they need to do, but. You know, to commit to yourself to what you believe in, which is what you're doing here. Yeah, but don't get yourself into a 40-hour-a-week job uh, waiting tables and forget about why you came here. Yeah. You better be willing to work 40 hours there and then 40 hours on your thing. Yeah. Don't be sleeping and smoking pot all day, you know. Just, uh, you know, hang in there and know why you came and work hard at it. Rock and roll. Have a good vibe. Good People vibe. don't want to be around a bummer. Have a good vibe. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Brings you down. Everybody down. Yeah. Well, man, this is uh, this has been honestly amazing. I, uh, oh, man, it's a great interview. Yeah, you're a good cat. I appreciate it. Yeah. This has is, this is, uh, been a, 
long time coming. Yeah, man. Thank Cliff you for Jones, having me. Cliff Jones, LA Vintage Gear. This oh, is spectacular. Geez. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. If you guys are listening, thanks or watching. for uh, watching. Peace, love, all that Ringo stuff, which you know is weird. But <laughs> I saw that. I saw that the other day. <laughs> I was no, a little thrown sorry. Off. Sorry, Ringo. We love you. Yeah, we love yeah. you so much. <clears throat> guys, come by. Okay, cheers. Peace. <laughs>